Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. It's a great time to live in Mississippi, and we're talking about it. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show, where we celebrate every single day, and then and with an expanded market into the Jackson and Delta markets these days, we'll be adding more days and more markets as we go forward. But we celebrate the leaders, the people who are working so hard to make Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. And I, you know, I'm telling, I tell you, I'm really thrilled about expanding into Jackson and into the Delta markets. Uh, obviously, we all spend a lot of time in Jackson if you're involved in the community at all, because it's our capital city, and it's important to all of us across the state of Mississippi. And then I have a place up in the Mississippi Delta, so I love spending time there. I talk about it all the time on my outdoor show on Mondays, but the, the Delta is a special place, and uh, there are so many wonderful people there. The, the farmers there, for example, have had one of the best harvesting weather situations they've had in a very, very long time. And um, and the yield is up, and you know I, I think it's terrific. I mean, farmers have to have to deal with some tough situations, man. So when they have a good uh, they have a good harvest season, that's really really important. I was up there last weekend. I'll be up there again this coming weekend because we are we're preparing for this hunting season. And um, you know, I I enjoy the hunting, but I really enjoy the times when we're not hunting. The times when we're preparing the the food plots and spending time together as a family, and my, you know, have my closest friends engaged in, in this little family hunting club that I put together. And uh, it's just time. To, it's great to be there. We we uh, spent some time in, at our farm in Chula. Actually, a couple of farms in Chula this past weekend. And uh, went over to uh, Big Daddy's Soul Food and Barbecue there in Chula and spent some time with OJ and had some of the best chicken and ribs you can put in your mouth. But, you know, the, the, the uh, Mississippi will never ultimately arrive as a city or, or, or change its standings until we can, we can really address the challenges we're having in the rural areas of Mississippi, like places in the Mississippi Delta. But like, like I've said many times on this show, 51% of Mississippians live in rural areas. And what's unique about the, the uh, census data that came out on the most recent census is that unlike other states where people really work hard to get out of the rural areas, in Mississippi, people kind of like to stay in the rural areas. So when you th- when you start looking at the the healthcare challenges that we're having in the state I know the governor made an announcement the other day about some some changes. I, I, I consider it a tweak. I, I don't think it's a it's a move you know a move in the direction we need to be going in. I, I strongly believe that we've got to have a serious conversation in the state about Medicaid expansion. And I'm I'm conservative, but the reality is that we're saying no to up to, upwards to a billion dollars a year. Obviously, there's a role the state has to play in that. It's not all free money, but when you consider the number of hospitals that have had to close 
flows and the challenges that they're having. And I often ask people, I said it last week on my outdoor show, if you're out in the rural areas of Mississippi, I want you to contemplate what would happen if you were in an accident and what would be the situation. And and too often the answer is not a good answer. And so if Medicaid expansion is not the solution. It's, it's a contributor because there are so many working poor in this state. I think what we've got to do is re-engineer the, the healthcare system in Mississippi. We have to redefine the relationship between what are going to be triage facilities strategically located through the states that would can, could be hospitals, for example, and the trauma centers. We have to really tightly connect that and integrate that. Then there are big changes that need to be had. So that's why I think we've got to take a, an effort like uh, we did after Hurricane Katrina, take the politics out of it. And as John Harrison, my friend who is the president and CEO of Hancock Whitney said, go from the point of view of financial, go from the point of view of uh, looking at health care and go from the point of view of economic development and let's go at it in a bipartisan way and let's find this let's find this this issue uh, too often and even in the most recent uh, move by the governor it's still very political and I, I think when you get politics involved you don't have everybody at the table and we need to get everybody at the table like like governor barber did after hurricane katrina it's got a quick um Quote I want to share with you, and then we'll move to our, our guest for today. You've got a great guest that we'll be spending the entire show with. Uh, this is actually from John Wesley, who is the English cleric and a theologian and evangelist. He is a, one of the founders of the Methodist Church, for a matter of fact. But I think this applies well to the kind of people that I come in contact with on this show on a regular basis. It certainly describes our next guest. But here is the quote from John Wesley. He said this, Do all the good you can by all the means you can, and all the ways you can, and all the places you can, at all of the times you can, to all of the people you can, as long as ever you can. And I, I'm pleased that we have so many people in Mississippi who are really – take that approach to to their to their lives and their work in the community. So uh, I noticed we had a little blip on the Wi-Fi, but we're back up and running. And so let me uh, move now to, to my very special guest, uh, someone I look forward to getting to know better on this show. I've enjoyed getting to know him by reading about him and watching his social media presence. But it's Jeff Good from uh, Mangia Benet. Uh, well said. Uh, that, you get you get a B plus on that. Yeah, Mangia Bene. There you go. Italian for uh, eat well. And uh, your restaurant group, you have uh, Bravo Italian Restaurant, of course, uh, Broad Street Bakery, and Salamuki's New York's Pizza and and uh, Ice Cream Joint. Great. Great story behind all of that, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about your business for sure and what it's like to do business in Jackson these days and your amazing work in the community in Jackson over many 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 years. But we're gonna get to know you better to start out with. But listen, I just want to welcome you to my show, Jeff. Thank you, Ricky. It really means a lot. And that wasn't a Wi-Fi blip. Uh, that was a user error. I was trying to close a window and I closed the wrong one, so that won't happen again. Hands up. I won't touch the computer. <laughs> hey, listen, you heard what I said at the beginning, though. The, the, you know, the, there are so many people that are working so hard across all, yeah. all and, and every single community. I don't care how micro you get. There are going to be people in, the, in that community that are working hard to fill gaps. They're, they're in there doing incredible work. It may be through through nonprofits or just community work through chambers, for example, or they may just be lending their hand as a volunteer somewhere. But gosh, man, I, I, I love 
loved reading about you and what and and understanding your your incredible commitment over a number of years to the to the community. But we've you we both have had the opportunity to rub shoulders with some incredible people who have really made this this state work, and they're working every day in the trenches, and they don't look for any kind of recognition. Right. And um, that's been one of the cool things about being involved in the community as much as you have has, isn't it? It has, it has, and and um, I'm an outsider. I moved here my senior year of high school from from uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, um, and uh, went to my my senior year to Murrah High Public High Public High School here, and then to Millsaps, and that's how I came to Jackson. My dad was the dean of students at Millsaps, so to be a, um, an adopted son, I'm 60. I just turned 60, so I've been here for uh, now 42 years. So certainly, I'm a Jacksonian. Um, I've I've just tried to grow where I was planted, and and this this city. And the state and and the people within both have been very good to me, and I've just tried to return that uh, uh, return that favor. Well, you had the opportunity to marry your childhood sweetheart, and uh, you have you have uh, two daughters. Uh, one actually lives here; the other one in, in Tacoma, Washington. Now, look, we've got three kids, and two of our three live in coastal Mississippi, and the other one lives in New York. So, we, unfortunately, we can't always bat a thousand, you know. Well, she uh, she got pulled away by an Air Force pilot that uh, she met. She was teaching school here in Jackson uh, while working on her her master's at Johns Hopkins. She did teach for America, and uh, she met uh, uh, a Air Force pilot. It was it was stationed at Columbus, and um, he graduated, and he's been placed up at McCord Air Force Base. And so the two of them started their lives up there. We're very excited for him. She's well. You know what? Columbus is great. It's a great community. Uh, I used to be part uh, when I was a publisher. We uh, we had I was part of a company called Knight Ritter and Tacoma yep. Washington was one of our one of our sister newspapers, yep. and uh, she's got to like it there. It's like it's, it's completely different than Mississippi. It's completely well, different. Well, she than could Columbus. she could get on your outdoor show. I don't know that I could, uh, but uh, she and uh, she and Pat are doing an awful lot of really exciting things out in the Pacific Northwest. So it's a great opportunity for her right now. Yeah, um, and my daughter Carly, who is here in Jackson, she could uh, spend some time talking about her new golf game that she is trying to uh, uh, undertake. So she's enjoying the uh, the fair weather that we have here and and learning how to swing a club. Jeff, do you do you golf? I do. I started that five <clears throat> years ago, and one of your compatriots in your industry is the gentleman who uh, helped me onboard and helped uh, take me from 120 down to the uh, high 80s, and that would be Wyatt Emrick. Wow. So yeah. Yeah, I know very well. Yeah. He's one of my best friends and he was extremely patient with me. And, 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 uh, we, we built out a group of about 26 guys. We all belong to, um, um, to one group of the Brandy Watkins golf group, which is three golf courses here in the Metro. And, uh, every weekend there's, there's a game and you, and, uh, if you can sign up for the tea time, you, 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 you put yourself in there and we mix it up and we play. It's wonderful. It's been tremendously yeah, I have, helpful I have for me. Tremendous respect for Wyatt. In fact, we served on the Mississippi Press Association board together for many years. Uh, along the way, early in my career, his father tried to hire me, actually, at one point. So uh, I told Wyatt not long ago that uh, saying no to his father was one of the smartest things I ever did because what happened after that is it gave me an opportunity. Uh, I got sort of underneath Roland Weeks's uh, wings and everything in my career kind of took off after that. But, you know, who knows how it would have all turned out. Hey, when we come back on the other side, we're going to continue our our uh, conversation with uh, Jeff Good, who's a restaurateur and, and entrepreneur and community, very active community leader in the Jackson area. And uh, we're going to we're going to we're going to talk more about what ultimately led him into the uh, restaurant business. We'll see you after this break. 
passion and love for Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I'm really thrilled to have uh, my new friend, Jeff Good, with me today. He's, in, he's a restaurateur in um, Jackson, and he uh, is very active in the community. And I want to spend a little bit of time talking about that for, exa- for, for a few minutes. Um, you, you, okay, coming back to the John Wesley quote, let me read it again. I want you to tell me what it means to you. Do all the good you can by all the means you can and all the ways you can in all the places you can at all the times you can to all the the people you can as long as ever you can boy do i get that what does it mean well, to you today? i i think that you know um popular culture has uh uh distilled that down to to one line from the spider-man movie which is you know uh, to those that are given great power there's great responsibility um I started as a janitor when I was 13 years old, working in a printing shop back in Salt Lake. I, so uh, when I was in middle school, I would take a public bus down to Ninth Avenue and, and go work at Printers Inc. every night. Um, and I haven't stopped working since. I've, I've been somebody who has had the experience of coming through manual labor to the service industry and, and now um, am, am in the, you know, what would be referred to in our, our, our community as a, a ownership class, the, the, the executive class. And uh, that trajectory has has really informed my life. I also was raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. I was not LDS. So I was somebody who was different than everyone else. And then I moved here my senior year of high school to the Deep South. I'd gone to school with three people of color my entire time in Salt Lake because everyone was blonde and blue eyed. And I went to Murrah High. And at that point, Murrah was, you know, 65, 70% African-American, 30% Caucasian. So and I'm in the Deep South. And there was that whole um, just tremendous, tumultuous change that, 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 and I'm just a kid. I mean, I'm a 17 year old trying to find his way. And, um, so having, having had the, the, the life experiences that I have and now having had a chance to, to ascend to a position where, um, I'm accepted as a member of leadership in our community. I have a voice that is able to um, resonate when I when I when I share information publicly, and uh, I also have a voice that resonates very strongly within my organization because I'm, I'm the boss, you know. So what I say, you know, oftentimes goes. Um, I really have learned that I need to be careful about how I use that. Um, uh, again, popular culture might call it privilege. Um, uh, it's it is a it is a um, it is an agency that I have that can be used for good or evil, and I choose to try to use it for good. But we're all <laughs> we're all challenged folks, and we all have stressors and anxieties and um, and and prejudices that come up. And and we you know it's easy in my town to just not really understand why why is it the way it is why how did we get here? And I think that it, you know past is always prologue. I I moved here in 1980. But I think if we go back to 1940, 50, 60, 70, 80, there is a trajectory of decisions and um, the ways that things were were decided that got us to here. And that's the same thing at the county, the state, the national level. We're all products of our past. Um, I really appreciated your comments at the at the top of the hour about Medicaid expansion. 
um, I'm I'm a I'm a Democrat who's pro-business. So I'm a I'm a little bit of a weird uh, agent here in, in Mississippi, but I'm really not because I remember as I started in the restaurant business, all of the leaders that would come out to eat from the Senate and the and the and the governor, you know, the the, the business friendly Democrat, just like the business friendly um, Republican you work with, uh, uh, Haley Barber. There is a there is an area for for um, compromise and for listening. Um, but we are really, really polar. Um, and I live in Jackson, and I'm in an 85% African-American city. The 25% of my population is at the poverty level and a school system that has shrunk from 33,000 to 18,500, a population that shrunk from a high of 205,000 to a current count of 145. You mentioned the census. We're, you know, our city is, um, has been under a lot of stress. And so the good that I can try to do is a couple things. Number one, I can have a business that that employs people that live in Jackson and tries to meet them where they are. And, you know, this post-COVID group of high school, college age um, kids, um, they're, they're different. And uh, there's a lot of uh, real anxiety and, and, and just a little bit of dysfunction and disinterest, you know, and there, there, there's a lot of wearing motions on the sleeve so things can become highly combative quickly. So there's some extra effort there to try to teach them hospitality and grace and care. Number two is I can run a business that, that provides a service to the community, a divertisement, a place to enjoy food. Bravo Broad Street and Salamukis are fabulous restaurants that serve great food uh, in our attempt to have wonderful, wonderful environments that are refreshing. So when you come out to eat, it's not just putting food in your mouth, you're walking away with something that, that's meaningful. And then, you know, the third part is economic development. I mean, I, we pay taxes, we pay rent. You know, if you want to have Highland Village look nice, people have to pay rent to have the, the owners of Highland Village make Highland Village look nice. Same thing for the district. Same thing for Banner Hall. You want to you want to pave a parking lot, somebody's got to pay for it. I've got to earn money to pay to the landlord. The landlord's got to be able to pay a vendor. It's all part of an ecosystem. And when the ecosystem starts to break down, that's where you start having... Um, um, economic decline. And I think that our city has been through that for a long, long time. And I'm really hopeful that we're at a turning point here. The stabilization of the water system is a big part of that. I'm sure we can get into that. But let me just pause at this point to say um, the Wesleyan challenge, I think, for all of us is to try to find our place. And I am in the business of hospitality. And hospitality to me is not just to you, Ricky, as the customer. It is also to Ricardo, who is the line cook at Bravo, that I need to show hospitality to both of you in order to be able to provide the service that I really need to provide to this community, which is jobs, health, divertisement, and economic development. Yeah, we often, it's funny that you said about Ricardo, we often said in the companies that I led, especially earlier in my career, uh, that internal customers are more important than external customers. So if we if, if we can treat each other like customers, that the reverberating impact of that's going to be that you're going to satisfy customers externally. But if you don't do that, you're going to, you'll eventually pay the piper because something's going to get out of kilter. You know, it's interesting what you said um, about you being a Democrat, but pro-business. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, you heard what I said about Medicaid expansion. I've talked to a lot of my Republican friends that say we've really got it's the state of Mississippi's got to really tackle this. What I have found and what's, you know, me coming from from media and, and coming from the newspaper business and then digital media business and having had responsibility for real large companies uh, later in my career is that I got to see the evolution. And a lot about the evolution is good because it gives tools in people's hands where they can get information, the smartphone. You think about the, the smartphone wasn't introduced by Steve Jobs until 2007 after Hurricane Katrina. You know, you've kind of used that as a, wow. as a and then what it did to unleash the power of of one. You know, everyone now can be a reporter, and so there's a lot of good that comes from that. The ability to be able to feed into that phone tremendous information. What I don't like about it is this this and this is the way this is the way I'll say it, and you can you can add to it whatever you want to. We do live in a polarized world, but what I find in my conversations, whether it be here on the show, which I've had over 900 conversations since we started this show over wow. three years ago, wow. Wow. and whether it just be in social media or the friends and family that surround me, what I find is that the majority of people I talk to are center right or center left. Yeah. The, the truth is that's what you're, you're, you're center left, I'm center yeah. right, yeah. but we're somewhere relatively moderate in the middle, yeah. and I believe most Mississippians are there. And, and 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 what what social media tries to do is it tries to divide us. And and it's, it can happen very easily because that's the way the algorithms are set up. The, the algorithms are set up to create engagement. When there's engagement, they make more money. And the way they create engagement is oftentimes around negativity because that's obviously the things that, that, that engage us. You add to that paid media that is seeking to, to, to uh, divide us. And it's really hard. It's very, very hard these days to find the truth. That's part of the problem here, that there's too much disinformation, too much misinformation that's pushing people more and more to the polarized ends. But at the end of the day, when you set all that aside and just get into what's in the heart and minds, the heart and mind of most Mississippians, what you find is they're either center right or they're center left. That's why most of the you know governor elections are oftentimes very close very because, close. yeah, thin margins. And, um, and, and that you know, that's unfortunately where we are. After Hurricane Katrina, you know, I don't think anybody was more conservative or more Republican than Haley Barber. You think about where he came from. But what Haley Barber did, he asked Derek Johnson from from uh, NAACP to be on their executive committee for the governor's commission after the storm. He asked William Winter to serve as well. And we all came together and we said, look, we're going to put politics aside. And we're going to address the, the, the recovery effort in a way that is unprecedented. And I had the, the pleasure of writing the forward to his book about the storm. And what you see there is a, a, a really incredible bipartisan effort. Uh, non-political effort that uh, that really led to one of the most important recoveries that we've ever had before. This is the approach that we need to use on Medicaid expansion or on health care in Mississippi or on many other issues in Mississippi. When yeah, we come back transfer, on the other side, transferable to everything. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll continue to have that part of the conversation when we get on the other side. If we continue our conversation with Jeff Good, restaurant uh, entrepreneur and owner in Jackson. We'll see you after this.
why we all love living in Mississippi. It's the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I have my friend Jeff Good. He's an entrepreneur, restaurant entrepreneur and owner in Jackson. And his if you were to look at his pedigree from the work that he's done in the community, it would literally take the rest of this show for me to read it to you. It's that impressive. Um, so this is the guy who puts his money and his energy where his mouth is. He leads by example, and he's not necessarily looking for uh, attention as it relates to that. But, I mean, he's just he's one of many that I have on the show that, that said, you know, look, I'm going to have success. If I have success in my life. I'm going to give back to the community. I'm going to find ways to fill gaps and, and, and contribute my leadership. You know, one of the things that I mentioned, John Harrison, the CEO of Hancock Whitney, who was on my show, maybe it was last week or the week before. And w- one of the things he said early on, we he and I worked at, deeply in the community after Hurricane Katrina and, and even before the storm. So we've been engaged in the community for a long time. But he said, you know, someone just doesn't get active in the community and become chairman of a business council or a you know a chamber or whatever they have to flex muscles they have to they have to go be you know go volunteer for that effort and learn what they can about that organization then go over here and do the same thing and what happens we hope that the snowballing effect of those of those uh, opportunities to learn teaches them a lot about diversity. Diversity is not always about um, the color of our skin, yeah, but it's, but right. to me, it's about the diversity of thought and and where people are coming from and, and, and really understanding what empathy is, which is literally thinking about what it would be like to walk a mile on someone else's feet. Well, I mean, well Ricky, think yeah. about what you, it, you know, when you're talking about your outdoor show and, and also where you live, look at the, when we talk about diversity, look at the two worlds that you live in. You go from a coastal community to Chula, Mississippi. Yeah. yeah, I mean that, that, that. I mean that is as far and as broad as two different worlds could be, and it has everything to do with sense of place and 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 culture, uh, uh, environment, all of these yeah. things. I mean, we get we really get caught up, and and many times need to be sensitive to this, but we really get caught up in the um, the jingoism of it all, as opposed to maybe um, just you know we all are different, and that is kind of what's cool. You know, I've I've tried to build my management team um, from a a rope built of many different strands of thread, different race, different um, background experiences, different genders. I do really well with female managers. I tend to have more of a female emotional approach to things. So we oftentimes, I'm a a male that works well with females. Um, um, They also hold me accountable pretty well. I hear you. Uh, but but uh, if I had a bunch of people that were, if I if I just promoted people that looked just like me and thought like me, we wouldn't learn much because I already know what I think. I need somebody else to tell me what I don't know to make a better decision for what we Jeff, I do. actually did this. I did the same thing. I, I hired and promoted women often. I hired and promoted uh, African-American leaders. Yeah. And I'm, I'm proud of that. I think that, you know, especially when you're in a newspaper, you really want diversity of thought. You want sure. you want the, the makeup of our of our executive team. You want the makeup of our newsroom to better reflect the, the demographics of the community. So we really aspire to that. You never fully reach the 
goal. But as long as you had it as an internal goal that you were driving toward, it really did impact you in a positive way. And uh, it was just that diversity of thought that drove you. But coming back to where we were when we when we went to break a second ago, I think that you know people would view what you and I are having here as more of a political conversation. I think too often we have a political conversation in this state. Too often we are polarizing. And I understand there's a, you know we're in a we're in a government you know governor race as we speak, and a, you know sort of this is a political season. But but the fact is, just because it's a political season doesn't mean that problems that we have should be put on hold. I mean we've got we've got problems to solve, and yeah, people we need do. to be focused on those problems. You know I am I am. Um, I, I, I feel some sense of hope that the uh, that the new speaker Jason White is, is saying the kinds of things you would hope that he would say going into the that we've got to we got to be able to think about things that we normally would not talk about. He comes from a rural area. I think that's helpful. You see Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman doing the same thing. And as much as I think the most recent announcement of the governor does fall short, it's at least a step in the right direction. So, so let's let's let's, let's acknowledge that and then let's quit trying to do one-offs let's go in there and 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 bite off the whole thing get a, a wide variety of people involved in it and less like after hurricane katrina let's let because that's what we have we have a we have a hurricane that's happening in the healthcare arena of mississippi and we've got to look at it that way so i hope that we can start to take politics out of some of these conversations but you gotta you gotta create safe spaces for everyone to be able to to you know um, be heard and then I have a win and and you know what I don't you know I don't know a lot about um, the the machination uh, and and the details behind this issue of, of health care expansion so I'd love to talk to you a little bit about the city of Jackson and and my experience with uh, doing business here particularly in in the case of the uh, ongoing water issues we've had here we've talked a little bit about the population decline and the like let's talk about what you know, that impact had on our utility. So um, anyone in Mississippi knows, and as a matter of fact, anyone in the nation and actually internationally, we happened to be traveling in Scotland last year. And I said, I was from Jackson, Mississippi. And they said, oh, you do have the water to go with the scotch. Um, it's it, it was a tr- just a, a traumatic experience, a series of blows that happened again and again and again to the city where the actual water production facility, which is called the O.B. Curtis plant, which is up at the Ross Barnett Reservoir. Um, that is, we, we, we pull surface water. We pull water out of the reservoir, purify it, and then push it through a series of, of uh, distribution pipes all the way to everyone's homes, all the way down to Byram. So it's an entire system for the city. Small amount of the city's on a well system in South Jackson. Everything else is on this pressurized system. Well, over the past couple decades, the pumping facility, the purification facility, and the, and the actual innards of the actual plant went through a series of major degradations in operations. So where there used to be six pumps for distribution, it got down to two at one point. The raw water pumps, which are a couple of huge pumps that pull that water in, got down to one. And they would have to shut it down once a day to be able to do a maintenance on it to open it back up. And during those times, the city would actually see a little fluctuation in water pressure. We wouldn't notice it. The water people knew about it because the tank system takes over. Well, what's happened over time is the tanks were, not, were never able to refill, and some of the tanks didn't work. So enter in the situation where we had the freeze, remember the Texas utility freeze, we had that here. It brought the system down for a few weeks. 
we had a fire that happened on some electrical panels and brought the system down for four days. And then we had this past summer with the, with the uh, flooding incident and the overwhelming of the, of, the, of the plant and the complete shutdown. So at that point in time, um, the federal government, uh, the EPA, um, the Department of Justice and the Department of Health all worked together with, with uh, 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 Governor Reeves and they were uh, able to hammer out a plan to have the state and, and we're very thankful that the governor did what he did, stepped in and took over the, the facility to stabilize triage. And then the DOJ worked out a deal with the city of Jackson for an agreement that said, we're going to take uh, the operation of the facility and the water distribution system and place it in a third party administrator's hands. And so a, a, a gentleman, his name is Ted Hennepin, who was on the ground working as a volunteer during all of these crises. He was here as a retired exec from the Northeast. And he was, and, and I guess he's like the Norelco guy. He liked the company so much he bought it, right? So he was here and he agreed to come out of retirement and spend this, this next chapter of his life helping to um, stabilize the system here. So in the past eight months that he's been in control, thanks to his competence, thanks to what the state did and the, and the governor, which there, there's so many things we could thank Governor Reeves for. And I mean that there was not the least of which was simply stepping in and saying the state of Mississippi is here with the full faith and credit of the state to be able to tell vendors, yes, at any cost, come fix, let's get this triaged and get it back up and running. So from that um, uh, stabilization to Ted's leadership, and then the gift of the federal government assigning $600 million and the Corps of Engineers, the 70, uh, $70 million, and then some ARPA money. Together, about $750 million to, to be able to fix our infrastructure. And I've been to a lot of meetings uh, where the EPA and the DOJ have held town halls. And one of the things that they're really interested in is Jackson as a test case for the nation, because where we are, others are going to follow. Infrastructure is older in a lot of communities, and a lot of communities, particularly communities that have shrunk in size, as we are, but still very significant in, in terms of importance and, and um, infrastructure, meaning buildings and, you know, we're medical government education. You know, we're the yeah. centerpiece for Jackson for that, for Mississippi. They're looking to this as a model to figure out how that can be resolved in the future. I'm telling you this as a restaurateur. If you ask me, Last June, how do you feel about your future aspects and your prospects in Jackson? I would say I'm incredibly, incredibly anxious. I don't know what my future is going to look like. Ask me today, and I will tell you that I am very bullish that this is not only the point of the, the lowest possible point in terms of stressors that our city could be at, that really this is going to be a bounce for us and that there's amazing opportunities ahead. I love the way you said that, and it took all hands on deck, and uh, the solution was found, and here we are. When we come and back, you know the- a little bit about that, Ricky. You've been yes, I do. <laughs> I sure do. Hey, listen, we come back on the other side, we'll continue our conversation with Jeff Good. We'll see you after this break. to more of the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I have my friend Jeff Good, who is a restaurant owner and entrepreneur in uh, in Jackson. Frankly, he's incredibly active in the community. And as we were talking about when we went to break, the water crisis in in Jackson required an all hands hit de- hit the deck sort of response, sort of like after Hurricane Katrina hit coastal Mississippi, and that's what happened. I mean, every all the parties working together trying to figure this out, and you've got someone in charge now that that Jeff feels confident about. We're spending tremendous amount of money, over $700 million on solving this problem. And as Jeff pointed out, this is not a problem that just about every major city in America is going to be dealing with because there are infrastructure problems everywhere. Um, so it's good to see, good to hear you sort of sum it all up the way you did, that you you're feel pretty bullish about where things are. And, but you know, when you don't have to worry about something like water, which literally affects every aspect of your business, it really frees you up to run your business. Tell me, how's your business doing? Yeah, thank you for asking that. Yeah, it's uh, uh, I am in the restaurant business. I need water. If I can't, if I can't wash my hands, I can't do food. Um, we are. I'm, I'm really blessed. Uh, April seven of next year will be the 30th anniversary for Bravo, and um, these businesses. Uh, my 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 dear friend from high school, that senior year, that one year I was at Murrah High, I met Dan Blumenthal, and he and I. Stayed friends. He was the best man in our wedding. Debbie's in my wedding. We stayed friends. And when when um, we were in our late twenties, I was a computer salesman. He was a chef in San Francisco. We had a late night conversation one night where we we uh, my company was was bought by AT and T and we were going to shut down. There wasn't a lot of prospects for me, so I was worried. And I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. He wasn't very happy where he was, and so we started talking about opening a restaurant. And he and his younger brother and I uh, started Bravo. Um, we raised money. We didn't have. We tried to get a bank loan. They laughed at us. We didn't have any money to, to back that up. So we raised money by um, talking to business people, understanding how they raised money for real estate projects. We created a limited partnership, which is like an LLC. I prospected 750 people face to face. I fed 250 people in my house um, in little dinner parties of eight to ten people to sample our food, and we got 44 people to invest ten thousand dollars apiece in 1993 to open in '94. That gift of those 44 people that believed in our business has carried forward to Broad Street and to Salamukis. And what we have created is uh, an ecosystem of restaurants in Jackson that provide what I feel is um, best-in-class food in each segment. Bravo is a, an upscale Italian restaurant, but very comfortable. And we have an exposed kitchen, which 30 years ago was insane. You put the kitchen in the middle of the dining room, have cooks out there. What are you doing? It's a really interesting and fun environment. Broad Street is a retail bakery. We make croissant, brioche, scones, Danish, breads, desserts, and have a whole slew of sandwiches and soup salad quiche, melted sandwiches, the whole bit. And Salamukis is a classic New York-style pizzeria. Big 18-inch pies, classic old-school appetizers like Fried ravioli, fried hand-cut mozzarella cheese, best uh, uh, chicken wings in the market. Um, I'm lucky to do that, and and I I we we do we do real food. We we take raw product, we we prep it, we then place it on a you know we assemble it, we place it on your plate, and we serve you authentic, real food. It's not coming from a bag. It's not coming from a big bowl that you, you pour out. And I'm trying to, to bring along people to have a respect for that and respect for the service industry and respect for hospitality. And, and the gift we give when a customer has a birthday party for their kids at Sal Mickey's or there's a wedding anniversary or, or an engagement at Bravo. And when, a, when, when a, an office uh, has a big catering gig, 
We did 3,000 sandwiches for Alcorn last week. You know, unbelievable. Delivered them to Lorman. Unbelievable execution. So for me, business is extraordinary. As long as I can keep doing this. I'm 60 years old. I'm youthful because I moisturize and I eat good food. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm going to stay at this for I have no plans of doing anything but this, Ricky. And yeah. I love it. And I've been in, in finalizing for those in the market uh, listening today that live up in Madison. The Madison Salamukis is not my restaurant. The Madison Salamukis is a, a license. It's a franchise. Two of my best managers that came up through our business, a couple, they wanted to have their own restaurant. We helped them put that together. They raised their own money from investors. They're killing it. In your market, we're very sad to, that, that the Salamukis and Biloxi closed, but the Lacey's, a wonderful couple that started that seven years ago, as their lives move forward, they realized that they wanted to do something different. And so that, I believe, is morphing into uh, um, a new concept there that someone else has. And that's all part of life. We all, we all come at this. But I had a wonderful experience coming down to Biloxi and working with them. They're great folks. And I'm just very thankful to have got to know that market the way I did. So um, I'm very bullish for Jackson. I'm extremely thankful for our, 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 uh, uh, our industry. And I'm hopeful that the the whole macroeconomic climate, the concerns of of um, some form of um, uh, recession and the like, it seems like the, the nation is, is settling down, and I think that we'll have a good run here. Well, listen, Jeff, it's been a, it's been a, a, a blast for me to get to know you better. I've, I've you. heard great things about you, and the opportunity to really get to see what's in your heart and soul, to see your drive. I love the, the term dogged determination, because whether you're involved in the community or whether you're involved in your business, that's what it takes to be successful in life. And uh, look, this will be the first of many conversations that we have. We'll check back in with you in a month or two and just see how you're doing. Well, I'm expecting to get an invitation on that bay boat. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. Well, I'd love to Go take you fishing that, for Jeff. sure. Invite yourself over to someone's house for dinner. <laughs> this has been uh, Jeff Good, the uh, restaurant entrepreneur from uh, from uh, Jackson, and it's been a pleasure to spend some time with him and you. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Talk Mississippi Media Production.